You know what would be interesting? If you just got rid of like a bunch of directors on commercial shoots and it was just like the person making the soundtrack and the DP just came together to make something. I bet you it would be fine for most shoots. Welcome back. It's even like this and we're still here in our imaginary studio. Jan Pavelchuk and Alina Danilova. Hi, Jan. Nice to hear you again. And um, that's me, Jordan Clark. I am a Canadian director slash 3D artist slash animator. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't fully know what's going on, but I love it. Thank you so much for joining in today. I think it's going to be good just for you to start with a short introduction. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, over the past 12 years, I've been had my hands in a lot of different things, whether that was, you know, being a 3D artist or doing VFX or live action directing, music videos or commercials. You mentioned you mentioned that you're a comedian as your first occupation. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not a comedian. I gravitate towards that kind of material. And in fact, I don't like watching comedies. My favorite stuff is probably dramas that are funny. I feel like everyone takes themselves too seriously and, you know, a little bit. And for me, the highest form of art to me is when it's like, you got great characters, this incredible story, great soundtrack and then it's funny too yeah you know like i feel like succession is a great Definitely. example of that where it's like you, you're not expecting to laugh but when you do laugh and it you know with the story there's just this like tone that's just just gets me and that's something that i definitely look for or gravitate towards right so for me it's like if i was to if i was to describe what i would like to do i don't know if i'm successful at this but it would be like south park meets like Balenciaga. I love both. Meets like, wow. you know, some sort of like where it looks pretty, but you're laughing a little bit, you know? But it's ironically a little bit sarcastic. Well, and, and South Park, it's, it's very like about whatever the current hype train is, right? And I do, like, I love, to, I love technology. I love novelty. So I do follow all like, what's the next thing, you know, whether that's AI or whatever, right? I, I do find it interesting and I find it hilarious and ridiculous. And I feel like there's a lot of comedy And so that's what I gravitate towards. Some of my favorite artists, I think, right now are, in terms of music, is like, I don't know, do you know Tommy Cash? Sure. Yeah, that's sure, of course. Yeah, Tommy Cash, I think he's in the fashion world, but his, his Instagram is just hilarious, right? It's almost like this new era of, like, comedy artists. You know, I think, like, Weird Al Yankovic, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I think he was in that space before. And then you get people like, um, yeah, Tommy Cash or Oliver Tree. I don't know if you know Oliver Tree. Uh, another artist like that. So yeah, that's just something in the last few years that I've really been gravitating towards is that tone, you know? But it's kind of provocative. Yeah. I mean, for Tommy and for Oliver, they're just a little bit on the edge. Yeah. A little bit like if you add something to it, it would be too much. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, they're still good musicians, right? Definitely. And they it works on by itself in both ways. They're They're good comedians and they're good musicians and they're their visual art or whatever is incredible too. So it's not like anything's taking a back seat. It's just like, I think they genuinely love their music. They genuinely love their comedy and they genuinely love their art too. And they're, and they're not sacrificing anything in either of those, those things. So that's, that's what I gravitate towards right now, I would say. 
You mentioned uh, South Park or Balenciaga, but you chose two of them. Should we call it your personal points of inspiration? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess that's one of many, you know. Yeah, maybe Tommy Cash is, is definitely an inspiration. I have a lot more. Like, I follow a lot of people on Instagram that just are super inspiring that probably no one's heard of, but I didn't want to mention them. So, but yeah, I mean, I do, like, in terms of, I guess, Balenciaga, not, my, not necessarily my favorite brand. I just, it just... That was just what I thought of at the moment. I think that there's something to the fashion world that's like, it's like you can take all these risks and there's, it's just, it's very psychedelic and it plays with like visual art in a really interesting way. But again, fashion takes itself a little bit too seriously, right? So that's where I think the comedy, mixing the comedy into it is quite an interesting tone. And I'm very like, I love interesting tone. I like it more than story. For me, story is definitely not king. It's not like the most important thing. It's just like one tool of many to evoke feeling. Um, and that's, I think for me, like when I'm making something, my goal is to not tell a good story. It's to make you feel something. Wow, right? it's really interesting because uh, it's not the opinion I am having like too often because a lot of directors, they, they tend to... It's all about story. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I just spent more time like on story, but I'm just saying for me, it's like, like you can have the most complicated, cool, like technically technical story with tons of characters and side plots and like, and it's whatever. But if I just might not care, it's like the goal is to make me feel something. It's not to tell, you know, cool story. Right. Actually, it's interesting. I, so I was at TIFF and um, Guillermo del Toro, he, uh, he, one of the best speakers I've ever heard. He said that um, music is actually the highest form of art because you're almost like mainlining emotion. Like it's like straight up emotion and it's immediate and it hits you harder, I think. I mean, for me, I think it can hit you harder than any film I've seen or any story I've heard. I do think story is actually probably one of the best tools for making you feel something. <laughs> But I do think music is up there. I think it's one of the most important things. And I generally, when I'm trying to come up with ideas, it's always me listening to music. And uh, I probably consume like the Spotify playlist through that year end thing or whatever. And I was in like the, the top 0.1% of how much music I listen to. It's like hundreds of hours, right? Wow. And I'm trying to, like, I feel like I just, I'm, if you listen, constantly I'm listening to music and I'm not even trying to come up with ideas. But as I'm doing that, the stories or the ideas come to me without me trying to figure out what I'm going to write a story about or whatever, right? Um, Like, I think the worst thing that I used to do was try to just like open up Google Docs and write a story, right? I think I was like, that's just like a terrible way of trying to come up with ideas. So for me, yeah, there's two ways to come up with ideas. I walk my dogs and go outside and listen to music for hours every day, right? I just like, I'm always listening to and trying to do like new stuff that I haven't heard, not just the same old stuff, like a lot of experimental or artists that have weird characters or weird voices, I find quite interesting. That's another tangent. But I'll get off, I'll stay away from that. And then the second thing is every day, like on top of work, at nighttime, I generally will spend a couple hours just making shit. And the goal is to not have any idea of what I'm making and to not try to be making something for someone else or to, you know, have any ego or whatever. Think like, where could this be? Right. The goal is like, it's just to go have fun. It's like art therapy. Every night I, I do like a few hours of art therapy or whatever. I might open up Unreal Engine or 3D and it's like, I have no idea where I'm going with this and I'm just creating stuff and I'm listening to my music and I'm just making stuff for pure fun. Right. 
Uh, because there's so many times where it's like, okay, now you have a brief, so you have to create something for this brief. And that's where I feel like that's where you start to procrastinate or you start to um, hate what you do because you're trying to generate ideas. And I think that's a terrible... Like when you're trying to follow someone else's ideas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I if I show up every night and just have fun, it's instead of p- watching Netflix, instead of playing video games, I just show up and I just... Have fun creating. And I have to post it on Instagram, usually. I'm like, it's a thing where I have to finish it because you can just play around the software and nothing happens. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I just have to th- like render something out, either post it or put it in a folder, organize it, you know? The combination of those two things, it's like I might hear a moment in the song that makes me feel a lot of things and I don't understand why what it's making me feel. And then I'm creating something and then I just pair it together and then all of a sudden I'm feeling this big emotion. And then I'm like, well, maybe there's a story that I that can get me to that point. Right? So it's working backwards. So it's reverse. It's re- reverse. Yeah. Another thing too is when I do that, this is another sort of side thing. It's like I try to post on Instagram. I do a lot of like stories. Um, so I might post three or four stories of these little whatever tests a week. I feel like people like, because there's a lot, I mean, I have production companies that follow me or like, you know, agencies that follow me, people or artists or whatever. They'll see that stuff and they'll be like, oh, that would work for me. Can you make that for me? And then it's like people are coming to me for something that I had fun making that's already been kind of built in a small way that I've done a motion test. And it's, and then using that in the pitch, it's like instead of me referencing someone else's work, I'm referencing my own work and I know I can build it. And that takes a lot of the stress off of like, of can I build this? Because there's been times like in the past before I did this where I would... I would like reference like all the coolest shit, right? Because you want to have cool references, obviously. Yeah, you want to have cool references, you want to win the job. And they were like, oh, this is great. And then you'd win the job and you're like, okay, fuck, I got to build this now. I got to make it. It's not going to be as good. And so that would stress stress me out as well. Exactly. Right? And another thing, when I'm doing these kind of like evenings where I'm like just playing around, if there's anything that's not fun, I just like go around it and don't do it. You know, let's just say it's like I've I've gone down this path where it's like, okay, you got to do some classic. There's like classical animation or something that you could incorporate. And I'm like, I hate doing that. I'm not going to do it. And so I just stop. Or if I'm doing a tutorial, if the tutorial is just boring. I'll just stop and not do it. Does it really make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, well, then I'm going to get more work like that. And then what am I I'm doing more work of stuff I, I don't want to do. Anyways, since doing that, like I, I started doing that a few years ago. And that's when my work just got way better. Um, and I actually got recognition online. Before that, I was with, you know, I, I, I had been um, sort of directing stuff and, you know, doing a little bit. But it was, you know, every once in a while something would hit. But, but yeah, since then, I've just... I'm like addicted to it. Like I want to work all the time on this stuff. It's just so fun. Even if I don't feel like I try to sit down and do it. You don't miss a day? Like it's every day. No, I miss days. Yeah, I miss days for sure. I got two kids, you know, two kids and two dogs. So I definitely miss days. (laughs) And even the last six months, I've been jumping into Unreal Engine, which I just find so fun. The thing is, is like I originally was like super into live action. That's all I wanted to do. And during the pandemic is when I got really into animation again, because I found with with live action, I, it's not something that I can do every day. You know, it's like, you got to get a crew together, you got to get a budget, you need a lot of people, you need actors, all this stuff, right? And so it's like, I come up with these ideas. And you need to tie it all together. Yes. Yeah, it's somehow. like, it's just a group. It's a team thing, right? And so I might be on set once every three months, maybe. And, 
you know, and it's a lot, it's stressful and everyone else is like, especially the rest of the crew, they're on set all the time. So you feel a little bit awkward, you know, being the director that's on set occasionally. Right. And I just found it's like hard to master something at that rate. That's why animation and um, specifically um, even just Unreal Engine um, is so great. It's almost like filmmaking video game that I can do every day and I can master it. And it's really, it's actually really helped my like blocking skills. Um, it's helped, you know, just even with editing and, and I can do like in terms of my latest stuff, I do all the performances myself with my webcam or my, my uh, iPhone. And then I motion track my face and I can attach different characters onto me and have myself be the actor too. So I'm learning, I'm learning about acting as well. And even just like, you know, if I just where my eye should go, all this stuff and I'm doing it every day. So it's like, yeah, I just think it's a great way of like practice, doing, being able to practice every day at something. Yeah, that sounds like you have a lot of fun and also a lot of freedom in what you do mm -hmm. because it's nothing that can stop you from doing something if you're really into it. I mean, in terms of technical stuff, it's great not to be stopped by the things like budgeting yeah. and uh, rules and teams and maybe management. And you can get your weird ideas out. It's like, there's no way I could have sold some of my videos to someone and who would give me a budget for it, right? Like, I don't think they would. They would be like, what, what is this? You know, and, and they're like, no, it's, that's weird. It's not going to work. Then I wouldn't have made it, you know? And so it's like, I can get my weird ideas out there without, you know, relying on anyone. I'm not doing visual art at all. I'm like all about audio. But a couple of years ago, I thought that would be cool to know something about uh, constructive languages. Uh, you know, as a humanity, we have a lot of uh, mm -hmm. constructive languages. We made them up like Esperanto mm -hmm. or something like languages for the films that doesn't exist in real life. Mm. And so what I did was like writing poems and then translating to these languages and then translating from one language to another, to another, to another, to another. Oh, so uh, to the point there, uh, no one could define the first meaning of that text. Yeah. And then to turn it into an image, to decode it and to decode it and to decode it. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you have like the pick with like weird symbols that means nothing and no one can understand what the fuck is this. That's cool. That's really cool. I love and that. I've been doing that for a couple of months. <laughs> that was fun. And what I didn't do, but I dreamt, I was dreaming of having like an exhibition, but online that I would post all of this arts and it will delete themselves like in a minute after posting. So no one would ever see it again yeah yeah that's kind of like instagram stories yeah but like for a minute yeah for a minute no that's that's cool that's the thing like again i i try to post on instagram stories because i know like even if it's bad yeah whatever it's gonna go Ever, away. everybody just will forget about that yeah 100 but i do th i actually i do think it's important to i think i said this but to to actually finish something even if it's shitty and not be scared of it being shitty and post it even if it's bad And the thing is for me is like not having an ego about your work or not thinking like not being worried about people seeing really bad work that you've done is I think important because it's like there was years where I just didn't start projects because I was just so worried that like this is terrible. People are going to hate it. They're going to think I'm, you know, whatever. 
I'm bad. No, I'm not going to get any work anymore. Like that's not my peak, or yeah. that's that's not the thing that I actually able. Yeah, I am. Oh, do you know? Yeah. But now I just think it's important to just like get over that because I think sometimes it's a numbers game, and you just got to be making stuff all the time. There, I heard this on another podcast. There was it was some film school or whatever, and there's two different classes. And one class they had to produce something every week for the entire semester, and then the other class they only had one final project, right? And the class that was making something every single week, by the end of it, their projects at the end were better than the class that only had one project to do for the entire semester, and they had all the time to think about it. I honestly think that it's just like you got to just keep making stuff. Like you, you get better. It's a practice. It's like going to the gym or running. You know. What do you think was the reason of it? So you stop being um, scared of making decisions. And you just you get good at just making a lot of decisions, and as you make more decisions, you get better at making decisions. It's something like labor, I guess. I have a theory also that there is something magical about the ending of the project mm-hmm. uh, because some things you can notice only after you finish it completely. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works, but it works for me quite often that I just working on some composition on music piece, and I'm working like maybe 20 hours, and then I hear it only after I finish it. I believe it might be some sort of a cognitive distortion thing. Maybe. Several things are not visible or mm-hmm. like uh, feasible for you at, at certain stages of your production process. You might be you might be just looking for something else uh, amidst the the process. Yeah. And so you, you can have a broader look on the whole canvas just when you stop it and when you can see something feasible. Yeah. And that's where sometimes it's important to just play with stuff, right? And then look at it afterwards and and just edit it into something, right? You're like, there's no way I could have wrote this or came up with this idea if I tried to pre-plan this, right? It only happened because I was literally making, like physically making it. Definitely, right? yeah. If that makes sense. That's where film is a big, I think, I have a big issue with live action film. It's just so expensive to do anything. It's like you really have to have everything planned out before the shoot day. You should, right? For the most part. And so you have to think about everything beforehand, which I find very challenging, you know, but if you've kind of done a, done something like it, or you've practiced, you know, done it with your own camera at home, or you've done a practice, maybe you can come up with those, those decisions beforehand. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. It, it, it reminds me pretty much of uh, when you're a kid and you don't want to go to school. It's like you, you wake up at 7 a.m. and mom says, okay, let's go. Let's get up. Let's go to classes. And uh, you have absolutely no desire to do it just until you head off to your favorite lesson, or favorite, your favorite teacher, where you get some, some sort of relevant experience and, and you have fun, actually. And you have it in your mind. You're going to have some fun, actually. It's like the appetite that comes while you eat, while you're having dinner. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. it's so similar from, to me when I, when I have chats with my fellow producers uh, which are working on the pre-production stage and they say, guys, we have, we got a month of pre-production stage and it seems so boring. It seems so boring when, but actually when I look at their face while they shoot, it's just, it's just bursting with, it's just it's bursting. the show begins. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's all about reframing it in your brain, right? Like I think creating is one of the joys of life, right? And you should treat it like that. Absolutely. Creating is one of the joys of life and it's like such a privilege to be able to do it. And so it should never, almost never feel like a chore. And I think it's only a chore 
when it's like someone's like, you got to do it and you got to do it this way, right? Till Thursday. You got to do it this day till Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's when it becomes a chore. And so that's why I said, you know, why it's like, do it for fun at night. And maybe you got this library. So when that someone says you got to do it, you're like, well, that reminds me of this. And then you can show them that. And then you just, you know. Sounds a bit like LinkedIn. <laughs> Could be. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't touch that. I had to. I get most of my work through Instagram, actually. You're lucky. Because yeah. like, I, I actually had an attempt. Because, you know, when you're starting a production agency, you need to head over to every social platform, actually. Including the ones that pose themselves uh, like uh, platforms for professionals. Uh, that's quite specific. Mm -hmm. Like I have really, I have really good guys right up there, but it's so. It seems sometimes it seems it seems so natural. It seems so like you're uh, you're exposing yourself in a way that you shouldn't do or, or you wouldn't do in real life. And just as uh, some of us do in Instagram or in Facebook, but it's actually completely specific for this particular one because it's it generates a completely different universe of i don't know of behavior modes of of values and i find it kind of tricky it can be tricky yeah yeah, yeah it's and, and everything wants to ensure you that this is the way you should do that five ways to success yeah i remember you shared the thought that sometimes using linkedin it feels like everyone have to write an article about AI. Like it's the <laughs> must to be on LinkedIn. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a time every new participant of LinkedIn community has to write an article about AI and I don't know, 12 points of how AI influences our, our industry, some sort of yeah. this tough. That's the current hype train, I think. That's the current hype train, but I'm sure that'll pass, you know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like everyone's discussed AI to death now. Yeah, that was the, with the theme of the well, also a few of my videos, but I actually didn't use a lot of AI for any of those videos. So. It's pretty ironic. Could AI be a, a good author? Could AI be a good author? Yes. Yeah. If we're talking about stories, um, actually. It was helpful for me, specifically that fuck AI series, right? I actually hadn't done any narrative like short film stuff. I had only done music videos or commercials or whatever. And I didn't write the commercials if I was doing them. It was written by a writer at an advertising agency. So the Fuck AI series was the first time that I actually got my own written dialogue or whatever. And I, I was nervous too because I hadn't done it. So I used AI to write this story. And then I thought, hmm, you know, instead of me gener or the AI generating the art, I'll get the AI to write the story and I will make the images. It actually came from me and some, some friends. This was like right when AI was starting to get popular. We were like camping and we actually had, um, we had Wi-Fi service. And one of my buddies brought out chat GPT-3 or whatever and um, just said, write me a ghost story, right? And so then we would read ghost stories from this AI in front of the fire and put on spooky music in the background. And then my friend who's like, He's got this like amazing British accent. And it was kind of scary because it was like this story was written by a ghost in in a certain way. And it's a ghost story. And that and that's where actually the, the fuck AI series kind of came from. It was like, yeah, it would be weird to, to make a story about an AI written by an AI. Yeah, that's where that idea came from. What made you name it like that? Because it sounds like some sort of aggressive arc shake to uh, intelligence here. Yeah. yeah, good question. Um, to be honest, I didn't think about it too much, to be honest. I made a bunch of smaller little whatever things with it. So, but then I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. But what, what it was, was I was, 
a little bit frustrated that maybe it was going to take, you know, cheapen all of my, my work, right? And people were actually messaging me like, oh, what was the prompts you used? Or, and like, I've been, I've been a 3D artist for like over a decade. I spent a lot of time learning how to do all this stuff. And some of this, these images have taken me days to do. And they're like, what did you, you know, what, what's your prompts? And so I was like, fuck this AI shit, you know? And then that was kind of, that was kind of it. I think that was just the basic idea. And also I was like, it was annoying seeing people that were making generative art that had never made art before. And you'd see it in the comments. This is amazing. You're an incredible artist. And the person wouldn't really like say, well, it's not really me. They'd be like, oh, thank you. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's, I'm so, you know, they would like take the role of this like incredible artist and not let people know that it's AI. And I thought that was funny. But you could see. Oh, yeah. I, you can see every time now, right? And there, it, it, there is very creative AI generative art stuff, right? That does take skill. I have a bunch of friends that are going diving deep into the generative stuff. And like now you have like, I can't remember the software is, but you have like crazy like node systems that are so complicated that take insane amounts of programming to come up with these videos that are in, like just, they're mind blowing. I don't find that fun at all to make, so I'm not going to do it. But it is interesting and I'm not totally shitting on it anymore. And there's a lot of cool AI tools within the software that I think are quite interesting. And even just storyboarding, you know, stuff like that. I think it's quite, there's a lot of cool tools that aren't just generative art, but that's my take on AI. I'm, I don't think we're going to be talking about it in six months. I think the hype train's moving on to something else, you know? It was NFTs last year. It was, you know, yeah, there's every year there's something. Quick joke that someone is asking you what neural network you've been using. And it's literally your neural network. Yeah, like what model what model or what thing I've been using, yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, it's, it's me, I'm sorry. <laughs> JVC1, yeah. Yeah. Version 1.1. Yeah. I have, I'm, I'm not going to lie, there's been a few moments I have used a little bit of generative art, like specifically turning me into an anime character in the Desume stuff. Um, I use generative art for that. And it was kind of fun and a little, it was okay. But yeah, I don't find that fun. How came it that you decided to put it as a main character of the story? Like it reminded me very much of my fellow colleague's music video, which uh, he did for himself. He's a music artist. He made a, a music video in collaboration with a friend of him, mm -hmm. uh, a director also. And it was a story about a robot as a main character mm -hmm. who started to consider himself as a personality and uh, tried to find his self in daily life. Like he escaped from the lab and uh, trying to find his place in real life. I remember that it was pretty innovative back in, I believe it was around 2016. So it might be it might be seven or eight years since since now. Anyways, how came it that you decided to put uh, artificial intelligence as main character of your story? Like according to your to your own description to fuck AI, like yeah. it's uh, quotation a story about an AI that wanted to be famous. Yeah, there's about four videos I made before that. And it started off with what I was telling you about earlier was the uh, the ghost stories around the fire. And I think it was like, from what I could tell, from when I tried the, the um, chat GBT, the stories were pretty like formulaic and kind of cheesy, right? And I thought, well, they're not really great stories, but what if I just lean into that? And what if I try to have that voice be the character? And I just thought that there was a lot of humor in that. And I thought that there was a lot of opportunities for 
using the mistakes that ChatGPT makes, using the cheesy lines that it makes as um, positive and not a negative, right? Yeah. And so the main reason was, yeah, just ch- taking the shittiness of AI and turning it into a character so that you can kind of laugh at it. Again, it also just gave me confidence to to write or to make a short film. But uh, that was not one. Like, I, I had to prompt a lot to get that script. I paraphrased a little bit. Like, it was loosely written by an AI, I'd say. But it was interesting, again, because I was playing at night, right? Like, it wasn't something that I... I didn't know what the whole story was going to be. And so it was me playing with chat GPT for, like, a bunch of nights, right? And just seeing what happens. And uh, I think uh, I just came to the conclusion, again, that the character should be the person speaking, and that's kind of how I made that decision, I think. Doesn't it seem a bit dystopian for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, but it's kind of, I'm, I love sci-fi and all that that's, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, in some ways, we're living in a very dystopian world, but in other ways, I think it's like the golden era for like creators. Like what I'm doing with my computer, like I can render stuff that 10 years ago took like a render farm. Like I said earlier, I can motion capture my own face. I can use AI to do a full mocap performance if I want. I can do it all on my all on my own with me and my computer and create something that I think would have taken a, a studio or something or a team decade ago because of the technology. And I think AI, the tools with AI is going to make that even more so. So it's like there isn't these gatekeepers of like, you know, studios or financers or whatever limiting you to create something that's, you know, that's great or cool. No, of course it is. Like if we find ourselves in a situation where we can borrow an RTX uh, 3070 from our kid and saying, son, please, uh, I need it for like uh, half an hour to generate some some cool visual stuff. This situation itself gives you chills about your possibilities. Yeah. And it doesn't, doesn't it seem like lowering the anti-threshold for yeah. creators? Yeah, I think it does. The only thing I would say is this, though. Let's just say you're you're young and you start getting into art. I hope that you don't just go to generative art and stop there because you're already making stuff that, or the, the generative art looks really cool, right? And so you're like, why would I develop my skills in creating images if I can just prompt it? If I can just hit the buttons. Yeah, I hope that doesn't stop people from moving past that. Again, I just don't think that it's that it's a different thing, but it's just not as fun. And it's not as uh, specific. Like I like being able to like sculpt a face or something or keyframe the animation or whatever, or do a design with Illustrator or something versus just typing. But I do also think that there's a lot of people out there that love that. And we'll see some incredibly creative stuff coming from that community that doesn't care about you know, what I care about, obviously. Yeah, definitely. But at the end of the day, it's all about opportunities and the freedom of creating things, I guess. Well, I wanted to come back to the point. Uh, you've said that you prefer walking the emotions more than walking the, the stories yeah. and that you believe that emotions is like more important than the story itself. So do you think that AI can be helpful in terms of getting you emotional? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it can, you know. I'm not an expert in AI. Nor are we actually. Yeah. No, no, no. I just meant that like how you use it. Um, how I use it. Um I think that it can take some of the grunt work out and I can get to um I can try stuff out faster and to see if I feel something for it as a first step. 
Yeah, it's more of a technical tool for me that can just reduce time spent and I can just see if something works or not quicker yeah. um, with the tools that they have. I think that's about it for the AI stuff. I am kind of slowing down on the, that whole thing though, just because like I'm just so into Unreal Engine right now. It is just like I just, there's just so many ideas I have right now that I can do with it that I just like, I feel overwhelmed a little bit. Like it's the opposite of writer's block for me. I just took a course the last six months and I'm just like, and the thing is that like, Unreal Engine is cool because it has all this, like the stuff you need for filmmaking. It has all the stuff for, well, it's getting there for motion graphics, but it also like all this stuff is like, it's connected in, in a live way as well. So if I want to, let's just say I create something right in Unreal Engine, I can put my VR goggles on and go in there and look at what I've created in virtual reality, right? Or if I want to turn that into some sort of like a virtual production thing, I can do that. There's just so many crossovers with Unreal Engine that's just blowing my mind right now. And and that's a lot more exciting for me than anything to do with AI. Also the whole meta-human stuff, um, which is kind of, I think, going to be a theme for my next big thing. My next personal project that I want to do, it has to do, I've been just like exploring meta-human quite deeply, which I don't know if you've been on my Vimeo, but there's a lot of like face stuff that I've been doing. And I feel like um, that's going to be in the zeitgeist more so because I've got a very powerful computer. Um, and so I'm seeing these, like, just this facial software and how I can turn into anyone. Like, I can turn into, and it looks completely photoreal, right? I could be an old man. I could be, you know, a little kid. And it's believable. <laughs> and I think, you know, as Apple Vision comes out next year, and I think there's, like, and I, I don't know if it's going to last, but I think there's going to be another wave, another VR hype train wave, I think, especially to do with avatars, Right. Every generation kind of treats social media differently, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So Absolutely. Boomers kind of, um, they're kind of treat social media as if it's this like their backyard and it's like a community and it's their neighbors. They'll discuss things like they're discussing with their family, right? On Facebook. I'm going to skip Gen X because I don't know, but uh, <laughs> everyone does. Millennials, they're more like, they're, it's all about like the resume, right? It's like, this is a professional thing for me. And you treat it like it's like you're better than you are in real life, right? It's very professional. Um, and I feel like that's how they treat social media. Gen Zers, they're all about being real, like flaws, just like be yourself. You just accept me for who I am, everything. Authenticity. Authenticity yes, is yes. like the Gen Zers. Be real. Be real, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then I've heard like Gen Alpha, they're, what, what they're seeing is like as avatars, facial technology, all gets better. It's going to be all about avatars for them. They're like, why would I put myself online? Who cares? It's like if I'm playing Minecraft or playing um, whatever the other one is, um, Fortnite, it's like, I'm going to be my avatar. And I could see that being the next wave of how we consume social media is everyone is not who they are, but it's their avatar that's completely maybe photo real. And so that's the whole area that I've been thinking about for my next uh, maybe short film is like, how is that going to look if you could identify as anything, anytime you want? It's like the like Netflix, you can change or you can watch whatever you want. There's just total choice. And so that's the latest area I've been exploring. And I think that like, because just seeing what I'm doing in Unreal Engine, it's going to come to like phones and stuff eventually, I think. 
I don't know. And again, I don't know if VR is going to fully ever be there, but it might. Yeah, it sounds, it really sounds nice. Actually, I got, I already got some couple of ideas for sound yeah. for such a project. Yeah. It's dystopian too, by the way. I don't think it's a good thing. I'm just saying it could be, it's just the way it is. No, no, know? no. I, w- I was just thinking that, okay, if right now uh, I would have uh, an opportunity to be like whatever I could be, what would I pick? Maybe a dragon? No. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I mean, it's already a thing in video games, right? Like, I mean, that's, yeah. but as you live more online, it's like you just, But yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's more about how I represent myself or how I, how I feel right now. So it's like a lot of opportunities, really. Yeah. And a lot of choices to be made. And I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities for catfishing and for, you know, like... Yeah, it's, it's mad. And I think a lot of sci-fi movies have touched on this subject. Ready Player One, they talk about it, you know. You might be really close to someone only online and you've only ever seen their avatar, so you never know what they actually look like. And they might become a close friend of yours, right? That you never know what they look like. I don't know. That's just, I mean, again, it's not an original idea. I think it's just, we're, we're seeing like the realities <laughs> of that come through. I think sci-fi has talked about this for years. I think there might be a good sonic concept for that one. Like you could use constantly changing sounds. Yeah. Instead of just making a soundtrack, sounds that would have uh, seemed like a bit goofy if we take it separately from the film. But actually, as you watch the film and you immerse yourself into this universe, it starts to make sense for you, but it's constantly changing because it's an emerging world of uh, of changing textures and merging things and uh, how to say morphing yeah. between states. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds so. If you look at my Vimeo, I have a little test that was trying to do this concept a little bit. It's called Dang or whatever. Check it out later. And that was just a motion test where it's like just constantly changing avatars or whatever. I'm also, I don't know if this is a side point, but in terms of listening to music, there's a few things I've been really gravitating towards lately that I haven't seen a lot in music. And that's just like character building in songs. I'll try to be clear. But I feel like in the past, there was always like, you got your country music and there's a certain character in country music. It's the cowboy, whatever. You got your opera singer, you know, certain character and that. You got your your punk person and there's a certain, even the, the way that their accent is or whatever. I'm finding lately, I've been really finding it interesting to find unique characters in the way that people sing the song or how they come across. And I find like in hyperpop, like I've been listening to a lot of hyperpop lately, someone sounding like an anime character or someone's, or maybe there's someone sounding like a- Yeah, a lot of details. Drag queen from New York in the seventies or something, or like hip hop has done it a lot too, where it's just the way that their accents are and the way that they speak is almost more of a character than the lyrics. Yeah, apparently. Maybe it's been happening for a lot longer, but that's just something that I'm like always searching for is, is like a weird character in the song. And I feel like that just gives me so many ideas when it comes to music videos. And that's, if I could do more music videos, that's the stuff that I'm kind of gravitating towards is just finding like, like almost more, it's about the character than the story in a way. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of hyperpop music lately, like last year, just because this reason that you've mentioned that I feel like in hyperpop genre, you could be like, a lot of different characters because as an artist uh, I used to make music as me and it was like feeling like a lot of limitations Yeah, because I wanted to be like a better version of myself and it's kind of strange because it's unnatural and in hyperpop like no one cares you you can do whatever, whatever you, you want, want yeah. actually yeah yeah and it's fun maybe that ties into the whole like gen alpha avatar thing I don't know but we'll see 
I'm thinking of the same. I'm thinking of the same shit uh, right now because it might be somehow connected with, uh, with the concept of changing identities. I don't know, morphing identities. I would, I would say so. Mm-hmm. You're not any more tied up to your ID photo, yeah. or your photo in your passports. You have choices. You have choices to be, uh, to be viable. To be, um, yeah. I say pretending too. Pretending's <laughs> fun. That's what filmmaking's about. It's and that's what a lot of art. It's like it's world building. It's pretending. It's it's fun. I don't know. Okay, we got one important questions. Uh, what's your latest inspiration? Okay, the latest inspiration. It could be anything. Uh, maybe a film movie, something like a uh, program. Yeah, like one of our guests said, it's wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> And he was right. Yeah, this is just like what I can think of right now. Okay, but and and this is a probably this is not a very like unique answer, but I think it's like Ruben Uslet as a director. I think his tone. Like he did Force Majeure, he did uh, The Square and Triangle of Sadness. There's something about his tone that I think that I talked about earlier that just makes me just is so inspiring. And it is again, it's that like mixing comedy with tension, drama. It's just this very unique tone that he's got, and I'm I'm a sucker for like unique tone. Actually, yeah. So his films lately have just I've been rewatching them, and I just like again I've always been like I never want to make feature films. I'm more of an artist. I don't care about like narrative, all this stuff. But then he, but he's kind of brought me back, and that he's just like there's just this tone that this guy that he has that I just find so it's almost cringy a little bit, you know? It's cringy, and actually Nathan Fielder, I don't know if you know Nathan Fielder, he also kind of I'm very inspired by his stuff as well. Uh, he's got this new thing out called The Curse. Again, it touches on this. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit more like I, I like maybe mixing some cringe too to the comedy. I think I'm a sucker for certain kinds of tone tone <laughs> right now. Which music is probably the most important thing for tone in advertising? It is, and I would say actually, I think your one of your other guests touched on this as well, <laughs> is that um, I often will start with the song first, right? When thinking of a uh, commercial or whatever, I'd like to like let's sign off on this song, and then everything is based off of the song. And in some ways, I think musicians could sometimes maybe be better directors than a lot of directors out there because song deals so much with pacing and with feeling and especially commercials you know what would be interesting if you just got rid of like a bunch of directors on commercial shoots and it was just like the person making the soundtrack and the dp just came together to make something i bet you it would be fine for most shoots <laughs> like i bet you the director doesn't need to show up for a lot of them and it would just be fine just like maybe a vfx guy dp and the whoever's doing the music Jordan, I've had—I don't know—Alina would. I think Alina would support me here. I've had a fantastic time. Me too. Thank you very much for it. Thank you very much for your time. Great. Thank you, Jordan, for first. Also, was well, I've really enjoyed as well. Well, I'm I'm flattered that you guys wanted to chat with me. You know, hopefully it makes sense to <laughs> someone. You know, I don't know, but it was great to meet you guys. So yeah, I appreciate everything. See you guys. See you. See you. Have a good day. 